Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders and business owners with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. As a consultancy, we're here to help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate, deliver and thrive. If you would like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of, of Madeline Dunlap. Uh, welcome, Madeline. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. We've got about, a, I think, a nine hours or eight hours difference, uh, but it's great facility of, of technology. We can do this, we can chat uh, all around the world, uh, and we're doing this right now uh, live. I'm just gonna tell the audience a little bit about you, uh, and then great. we'll get into some conversation with you. So you're the, uh, Director of Business Development at uh, Rewild Group, mm-hmm. uh, which is a company dedicated to helping businesses develop scalable processes and resilient organizations to carry out their mission. Uh, and you've got an expertise in helping businesses to use the effective sort of growth framework of organizational rewilding, which I'm sure we'll touch on, to create exceptional business and leave a lasting impact on the world. What a great statement, what a great mission and a great purpose that company has, and I'm sure you're part of that as well. Um, Before we get into all that, uh, again, I'm just quite nosy about people, and uh, (laughs) I always want to understand a little bit about what their passion is and what gets them out of bed in the morning. Um, So what do you love about what you do, Madeline? Yeah, so I I was part of an organization. I've had entrepreneurial parents. I've been working since I was young. And what I learned early on is that work is such a foundational and fundamental part of who we are and uh, the life that we live. And what I get to do every day is talk to business advisors and business leaders that are improving and working on businesses that impact people's lives. And so um, that really is the passion that I have is for these business leaders and the people within those organizations realizing that if we can improve where people work, if we can make um, that work matters. And if we all have to do it, why not make it exceptional? A place that's really building into us versus Mm -hmm. draining us. Um, so I get to do that through working directly with business leaders and also with working with business advisors who then work with businesses. So that's what I love about what I do. Brilliant. And when did you realize that was your thing that really resonates with you? I think it's something that's built. It's been building up in me. Like I said, I started at a really young age working in a small business. I've my whole career has been in small and mid-sized businesses, um, lots of different industries. And it was in this organization where I first encountered this methodology that I now get the privilege of uh, bringing forward into the world that I saw the difference between an organization that was a good company and one that was truly thriving, one that was truly exceptional. Mm-hmm. And not just what that did for our clients or the bottom line, but what it did for the people that that worked there, um, how it transformed these individuals in a way that they went home to being better spouses, better partners, 
better husbands, wives, parents, children. And I thought, wow, this is really the platform where you can incite change into the world. And it's in our little corner and it might be just one or two employees and it may just be you as a solopreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was in that distinctly seeing that you could make an impact from just a very functional good business to -hmm. exceptional one. And I thought, what if I could do that for a living? And I was blessed to have that opportunity. Um, And uh, yeah, so it's something that's definitely grown in me Mm. um, over the years. And I I like that holistic approach to business. Uh, I mean, I don't think you mentioned ever the word revenue, profit at all. Um, And you talked about, you know, businesses having an impact, uh, exceptional. You talked about um, having almost an impact on the the lives outside of work, their spouses, Mm -hmm. their families, and actually, you know, we're in a time, and I think this last 12 months, um, a lot of businesses, a lot of people have been thinking about more the holistic aspects of what's been going on. And it's not just about turning up for work and getting paid and going back home again, actually, there's something bigger than that. And, you know, there's lots of discussions at the moment about, you know, people's well-being, uh, their mental health, uh, Mm -hmm. and the whole aspects of, um, you know, the hybrid working challenges that are are coming uh, to uh, uh, organizations and how they should lead uh, and trying to attract talent or keep talents. And we are going to talk about different aspects of leadership, uh, but I really want to get your 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 understanding, your opinion, really, on at this time, how, how should leaders lead, you know, in a way that would help them ultimately thrive and be sustainable with their businesses? Yeah, so... We talk about the concept of transition zones, and uh, we usually think of them in terms of as an organization grows, it goes through transitions, you know, from being maybe owner-centric to enterprise-centric. But what we've seen over the last 18 months, maybe longer than that at this point, um, is really a transition zone that the whole world has gone through. This idea where the things that used to work don't work, the systems, the processes that have supported our organizations for uh, decades, in some cases, stop working in this current reality. And this is a really simplistic phrase, but I think it's a powerful one. In times of transition, in times of chaos, leaders need to focus on, emphasize really structure, clarity, and focus. And I want to break those down a little bit. So when we talk about structure, a lot of times people think of rigidity. They think of, you know, red tape and lines drawn and, you know, you can't do this. But structure, when it's when it's infused in the right way, when it's really built to be um, resilient rather than restrictive, is very healthy for organizations, employees, um, managers, it, just organizations you know, at large. And the point is, is that as we we go into this, you know, no man's land where people haven't been before, trying to create some stability in this is important. Um, And again, approaching it in a way that creates resilience for the organization and for your employees and not a rigidity. Hmm. 
the, the so do, do you have an example of how that might play out that sort of structure is it structure in terms of organization or is it structure of how you work as a process um, I think and, and that fluidity is, is is would principles be a similar word in terms of trying to create that sort of principled approach yeah absolutely absolutely so i think it flows into all of those things it's as large as you know these big you know expectations and goals for the team and then it's as granular as what systems are we using and how functionally are we communicating with each other so i think a good example of that is you know as simple as schedules right there's this difference of how how are you coordinating with teams we have um, employers and leaders who are trying to get things done and employees who also want to get things done. But it's how do we come together and have clear expectations of what we're mm. trying to do? How are we going to support those expectations? And when those expectations are met, how are we going to celebrate, reward the organization for that? And that's the, that's this structure that I'm talking about really is how do we get on the same page about this new reality and coming together with some level of resilient structure that we can mm. all operate on. Because the worst thing we can do is leave ambiguous the kind of the expectations, what we need as an organization to be successful and what we need as people and mm. employees to be successful. The ambiguity, which has been the last 18 months, creates chaos that doesn't help an organization thrive. Yeah, and I guess it's almost creating structures or creating aspects that you can control which then helps people with their sense of yeah. chaos and sort of survival mode actually in sense of actually makes people thrive more because you know you can only control what you control mm -hmm. um, and stop you know not worry about the things you can't control uh, and I guess put things in place that as a business that you can control and that starts to create that sense of security and that builds into resilience and then starts this people thinking a bit more innovative, thriving, and start to build the business back again. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The, you know, kind of that, that really speaks to kind of this focus. The reality is, is that we have so much going on. Um, I find in a very tangible way, the idea of a daily meetup or a daily standup to say, hey, where are you at? What are you focusing on today? What barriers are you seeing? Um, what can I, how can I help? support you in getting through that, um, that that focus, giving, creating focus for the organization, but even at a, an individual level of hearing task lists and helping people prioritize because so many of us are now operating in a 24-hour parenting, schooling, working reality mm. that um, even the simple things of just saying, can you help me prioritize the things that I need to get done today? Because I'm also managing 15 other priority lists. And that simple act of five minutes to hear it out, to have the conversation, to set a trajectory for even the next eight hours, mm. I think is it's just foundational for this chaotic time that we're in. No, no, I totally agree with that. That's really helpful. Um, how, how is that managed now? People are starting to talk this word hybrid, which is the some working from home, some in the office, whole mix and match of things going on where you may have situations going on in the office, but actually some of the team are at home. Mm. How do we bring that into play that we don't, I guess, lose the impetus, lose the inputs and contribution 
and also making a few people feel completely included, obviously, in that context. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think that there are some things that some gaps that technology does not bridge. That's a reality I've seen personally, right? There's an exciting thing. Someone gets a big win. I'm at home. Everyone else is in the office. The, the, that's a gap I don't think technology bridges. Mm. Um, I think that there is a level of just awareness that the leader needs to bring to the team to make sure we're being inclusive. But if you have this cadence of every morning or every afternoon or every evening, whatever that looks like for your organization, you're huddling. Um, maybe that's on chat. Maybe it's, I, I enjoy the, the, everyone has their screens on. You yeah. can see people's faces. It's a check-in point to make sure that no one is too far removed from the current reality. Um, and even if you can't bridge all the gaps, I think that's a way to make sure everyone is at least on the same page at a 24-hour stint. And, you know, mm -hmm. for some organizations, it may not be necessary to do it every 24 hours. But for our organization, when we've gone hybrid, um, that's been important for us. Yeah. No, that's good. And so you, you talked about structure. What else were you in terms of leading right now? What other aspects were there? Yeah. So um, I actually just had another thought I want to throw in there. Um, in those daily kind of cadence meetings, I think one really important thing is that it's not just this, I don't know, everyone kind of they just a mess of a meeting. I think that having structure in that meeting is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And I'll just propose even what we've done. It's we look at calendars, we look at priorities, and we celebrate wins. And it's those three things. And we have a specific order. And that way it feels efficient. No one's feeling like, well, this is a huge waste of time. I've got 15 other things I need to be doing. Yeah, um, yeah. And so having that rhythm, I found, is is really important. Yeah, so, so, so you understand. I, I agree. I, I like the word cadence. I like that sense of yeah. cadence. Yeah. I like that sense of rhythm. And mm -hmm. but also, you're right. It's, it's having meetings that have, that have have a real purpose to it because I think people go into this world of, of virtual and, and start creating meetings for the sake of creating meetings to try and create connectivity. And yeah. it became a little bit false, forced, and everything else. But actually, if you're meeting up for twenty minutes to discuss key things. Yep. And people will come with a bit more purposeful, a lot more energy about it, and then people will go away with energy as well rather than being sat. Yeah, so no, that's brilliant. I like that. Sorry, carry yeah. on. No, okay. So then to go back to your question, what other things besides a structure, this focus? Um, I think the other big thing is, and I, I would actually put what we've talked about in kind of the working in the business segment of your leadership responsibility then there's this working on the business. And I think a big, big thing that has come out of the last 18 months is the need for a clear vision, right? Mm. A vision that very likely has transformed, maybe it's changed altogether, but at the very least, it's been impacted by what we've all gone through. Um, I, you know, even in just talking to individuals, advisors, and um, business professionals, there's been a lot of introspection over the last year of mm. what am I doing? Is what I, is it what I want to do? Am I leaving the impact that I want? People have been home with their families more, and that's changed the expectation and the dynamic of how they want to balance their work and their lives. And I think as leaders, if we aren't taking into account the changes in our world and reflecting that in our visions, we're missing out on an opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that vision, again, maybe it's totally changed. <laughs> maybe it's just been slightly impacted. But um, setting a course for what our organizations look like, that's something we we needed to be doing all 18 months is our reality is shifting. And so where we're headed and that mm -hmm. vision for what the organization is should be changing with that, mm -hmm. um, influenced and informed by that. And if we haven't done that, it, it needs to start now, right? That we need to be looking ahead in this new reality and saying, what is our organization? What's our purpose? What is it for the market? And what is it for our teams? Mm -hmm. um, I really think of those as two different promises. I, we talk about brand values and core values. Mm -hmm. They're really two sets of values that an organization needs to define and uphold. The brand values is our promise to our market and mm -hmm. core values are our promise to our teams. They're different segments. They care about different things. Mm -hmm. And um, oftentimes we try and mush all our values into one set. And it's challenging because we have two very important stakeholders, in my opinion, and that is out there and in here. And if you're not taking care of both, your organization's at risk, and, or at the very least, you're not thriving the way you could be. No, and I, I agree. I think just going back to your vision piece or purpose, however you want to call it, um, yeah. I think, you know, last year, a lot of people were in this very short-termism, you know, 90 mm -hmm. days out, uh, which is understandably uh, trying to fathom out what was going on and, and almost, you know, as they came out of last year, I started to lift the gaze a little bit and start yeah. to think a bit more further out. And, you know, I'm encouraging companies now to start to, you know, reevaluate your vision, your mission, your purpose, whatever yeah. you, however you determine it. Um, it might not change that much. In some ways, if it was out five, 10 years, it probably won't change that much. Um, right. The only difference that's changing is is the how, how you're achieving it, uh, and the timing, perhaps. It might have been yeah. speeded up, might have slowed down. Um, but uh, in terms of your vision, it doesn't generally change, but there might be some tweaks to it, uh, and there may be some opportunities that you've not thought about. Um, just going back to your the brand and the core values, actually, that's interesting, because I think a lot of organizations just have value statements, just one yeah. set. Uh, and I can see the, the reason, because they want to endeavor to have that gone flowing through their core but also flowing mm -hmm. through their customers or clients and it sort of makes sense but then again it doesn't sort of make sense because they're, they're different aren't they because they are very different how you approach your, your internal versus your external i guess they're broadly aligned but they, they are a different facing how do we ensure we, we we separate that besides obviously just literally separating what, what do you do in your in your business how do you work with your clients to creates that sort of separate sort of values yeah so it, it's really a simple process an important one but a simple one um, you start by asking you know those key questions about what do our clients love about working with us what experience do we want to create for the people that work with us how do we differentiate ourselves from others in our market and we start to come up with words or phrases that values really that define what we want to be in the marketplace. And because a business is in business to provide value to the market, that's where we start. Mm -hmm. And then we move and we, we set that, we set that aside, that list. And we say, start talking about, okay, what do we want our employees to say about working here? What do we want people to feel when they're here? 
what types of things are important to team members that we add. And we create from that our, our core values. And then this is the big piece. We have to make sure they're in alignment. So the key is that our core values should create an environment, should foster an environment that enables our brand values to be delivered. Mm. And that's a big question, a big, you know, uh, working session of and, and sessions, ongoing work to make sure is there alignment between the team that we're fostering and what we're delivering to the market. And so even though there is a delineation between brand and core values, they are values and they live kind of on the same list, right? Mm -hmm. That these are the things we have to embody. Um, These are the things that are important. They have to be in alignment, but we make that small distinction of this is our team values and this is is our market values, right? This is how we talk Mm -hmm. to the market which again are not different. They're not, well, they're different, but they have to be in alignment. They have to be supportive of each other. You mm-hmm. can't say that you want, you know, we want a very uh, family-friendly organization inside and then a super rigid, tough outer face. So that's the thing, you know, I'll, I'll often hear people say, well, we're the same through and through. And that's true. We're, brand and core values don't say that you're one person inside and that you're one person to the market, a different mm-hmm. person to the market. What they, what it does is it makes this very important delineation that the people you're serving have different desires. And if we put all of those values in one, we construct mm-hmm. one list, it's very often that we're missing out on serving one of those groups in an important mm-hmm. way. Yeah, no, I agree with you in terms of making that alignment and making sure that they support each other. Mm-hmm. Now, it's great to come up with values, and I do this with organizations, and it's they become words on a piece of paper. <laughs> um, how how do we how do we help it become a reality? Because it's very easy to go through sessions, we get the words out, we get some great words, and we get some great mm-hmm. statements, and wonderful sessions everybody's very excited and then it gets printed put onto their website whatever it is how do we live it how do we get organizations how do leaders make sure that that becomes a reality Uh, i know it doesn't happen overnight but just get your thoughts how you think we should go about that um a couple of thoughts there you know it's not easy i mean it's like it's setting a, a weight goal for yourself and achieving that it's done in the day to day Um, It's when an important decision is being made that we as leaders are tying that back to and living consistently with and Mm -hmm. enacting the values, living those out. Um, But I find that this exercise of asking ourselves, what do we expect? How do we support what we're expecting? And how do we reward when that expectation is met? Mm. It's a really simple way to say, okay, let's take these values. Let's say one of our values is Uh, authenticity. What do we expect? Like tangibly, what does that mean? Mm. How are we supporting that as an organization? And how are we rewarding when that is, uh, that expectation is met? And oftentimes when things are not being met, a leader walks through those three questions and there's holes. Mm. Sometimes there's a lot of holes. And, um, you know, 
I, it, I think it also comes back to having the right people. But as a leader, what can you do? I think it's those three things. It's when you find something's not working in your organization or people aren't living up to what you expect. Are you clearly communicating that? How frequently are you communicating that? How do you support it? Mm. And then are you recognizing um, that in a tangible way for your employees? Yeah, and it, and it comes down to leaders obviously leading by example mm-hmm. in these values, which ultimately is how they get embedded in, in a culture. Um, but I was talking to somebody recently who said um, how to communicate values is by giving examples of, of, of life examples of yourself of I don't know about talk say one of your vows is integrity you give an example how you or you or a story of somebody who demonstrated integrity so it creates meaning it creates a story and therefore yeah. people sort of attach something to it rather than saying oh integrity yes that's doing something without looking and all that sort of stuff and actually if you put a story behind it a meaning it starts to yeah. create a sense of understanding I guess um so as we move out of lockdowns out of pandemic although we're probably going to be living with this for for a while uh, what other things do we need to think about in terms of getting organizations to a place where they're starting to thrive again and starting to you know create those you know those big visions those structures to support their their businesses and real clarity and those values Uh, what else do we need to do What, what, what i guess what what things do leaders specifically need to start thinking about yeah so we're in a we're in a unique world. Um, one of the things, though, this idea of having principles, and really, if we think about values, values are principles. They're these, I don't know, they're these starting points. They're these uh, rails to run on for an organization. One of the things um, our research as an organization, which spans over three decades, focuses on is this idea that um, leaders really have three faces that they wear or three responsibilities to their organization. Um, and that is that they're a visionary. They're working on, you know, the big picture, the purpose, they're connecting that purpose to the day to day. They're working on their business is another way to think of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're managers. So managers of people, work, workflow systems, you know, the overseers. And then they're also specialists. They're actually for most small and mid-sized businesses, they actually deliver the work, right? They're part of developing the product. They're part of developing the service. They help sell, um, whatever that looks like. But what's really important is that as an organization is growing, that you are um, allocating the right proportion of your time to those three things. And a lot of times we'll see that a leader has a preference to one of those faces. Um, whether that's just what they enjoy doing or they have natural skill sets. Mm. Uh, you see this a lot in uh, small startup businesses where an entrepreneur who's great at fill in the blank, um, they go out and they say, I love doing this. I can offer this in a way that isn't being done and um, I can do this really well. So they like wearing the specialist face. But in a startup business, you need a lot of visionary too, because you have to you have to be able to create a picture around um, where you're going, so you can mm. invite people into that vision and start to grow the organization. Without that, if if you're just really good at developing software, it's challenging to grow an organization just based on your skill set. Mm. You have to be able to 
uh, set a vision, create that purpose, an engaging purpose, and communicate that to others to invite them in on that journey. And so it's really as we start going, heading towards in the direction maybe of a normalcy or developing a new normalcy that it's, we have to start long-term planning. We have to stop operating so much in this, like you said, just holding our breaths and taking one day at a time because organizations struggle. We all, entrepreneurs live in a world they cannot control. Maybe that was more clear to us in the last 18 months, but that's always been true. It's always been true. Mm -hmm. And it can't be the reason that we stop looking ahead and setting a destination. Even if that destination changes, modifies, adjusts, like you said, sometimes it'll take longer. Maybe maybe we can get there faster. Mm -hmm. But um, looking forward has to be a part of, of what a leader does really at any stage of growth um, that that's critical. So you're saying right now, and I guess almost not that we're all in startup mode right now, but you, we're almost, I guess, resetting, aren't we? So it's, it's that almost re-envisioning your teams, your businesses, your clients, your customers, and getting them excited again of the future of, of, of who you are, your business. I guess it's going back to that again, isn't it? Almost like the, the founder type startup mindset. Mm. I think we are all a little, we have one foot into that startup mode because of just the, the world we're living in, right? It was almost mm. like this shakeup reset. We have to, as leaders, start believing in that vision too, I think. Mm. Um, I think that the last year has, has, it's been this great time of revelation, but it's also been this great time of uncertainty. And like I said, we've always, as entrepreneurs, lived in worlds we couldn't control. But for some reason, the last 18 months has, um, it's just punched that into our guts. And um, and we have to believe in the vision we set forth because um, that is the only way that we, we can build an organization that believes that too. And you mm-hmm. can do all those things right, but if you as a leader don't know where you're headed and you don't believe in it and you can't incite that infuse that into your organization, that excitement and that vision, um, you're going to struggle, right? That's just, you're, you're just, um, you're starting out with a, a bit of a handicap in that, in that mm. sense. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you put it perfectly. We're all a little bit in startup mode. Yeah. And I, and I always see, I always believe there's always opportunities in uncertainty um, for mm-hmm. those who, who, dare to either step forward or, or dare to think differently. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you think, just before we finish, what do you think some of the opportunities might be for companies? I'm not just talking about startups, I'm talking about well-established businesses as well. What might there be, those opportunities? I agree with you. Uncertainty, uh, the throwing off of rules that existed before. Um, I think that this, in general is an opportunity to engage your organization, your staff in creating what the future looks like. I think that um, some organizations are really struggling because their staff is feeling um, maybe empowered in a way they hadn't before. And I do think that there's kind of two options to handle that. You can fight or you can embrace. 
And inviting your staff into creating that vision for what your organization looks like, um, I think is an opportunity that really in all companies and all sizes we have right now. Mm. I think it's going to make a difference um, in, in who comes out ahead, really stronger, yeah. more resilient than, than before. Um, because people are I just I think we're just seeing that employees yeah. are feeling more um, uh, I don't know if entitled is the right word, but it, it's something that I've heard thrown around. And I think, mm-hmm. like I said, there's just kind of two ways to to work at that. Take that energy and fight it or take that energy and um, put it towards good in your organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I entitled is a word, but I, I think uh, a lot of employees are incredibly empowered right now, yeah. and they're, mm-hmm. they're feeling it. And they might not be empowered by their organisation, but they're empowering right. themselves. Um, it's interesting. I I look back and I think of the last twelve eighteen months as almost a, a time of resilience, and I think a lot of organisations have done amazing and how we've all mm-hmm. adapted and everything else. For me, as I look forward, I, I think it's the time of agility and being not only to be resilient but to adapt but that agility to go for transformation and i think it poses massive opportunities for even those huge juggernaut organizations can really transform and 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 that's why i think there's potentially the reset could create some amazing transformations in organizations massive organizations not just in small ones Uh, so it's very exciting uh, and uh, and hopefully We'll be part of it and on the ride with some of these organizations as we uh, interact with them. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, uh, Madeline, today. Um, yes, thank you. So how can people connect with you, get in touch with you, um, and if they want to work with you? Yeah. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn. Madeline Dunlap at the Rewild Group is a great way just to send me a, a chat. Um, and then the Rewild Group uh, website, rewildgroup.com tons of free resources for business leaders. And that's always my, there's a very clear button at the top, grab some content and tools um, tailored to small and mid-sized businesses, one to 500 employees. Um, That's where I encourage, more than even connecting with me, I'd encourage you to grab some of the resources that come from the research that's been done and the research that continues. Brilliant. Well, thank you for today, Madeline. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. If you like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a consultancy, we help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate, deliver and thrive. If you'd like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com.